Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we read Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Last season we read Daisy Jones and the Six, so we were kind of on the trends. We had a lot of repeating authors this season, um, so we were excited to fit this one in because it kind of came out last month for Book of the Month, June, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it kind of came out perfectly when we were like setting up our lineup, and we need to get another romance book in, or... I guess this is just contemporary fiction. I don't, I guess it's, I don't really know what to consider her books. I don't know either. I was thinking about that today, whether they could be considered historical fiction, since technically they take place in the past. I guess they are historical fiction. I guess they're also kind of temporary fiction. But yeah, I guess maybe they're not romance, but we just wanted to not do another fantasy book because we did so many this season. So we were excited to finish the season off on this. So yeah, this is our last episode of season two. Um, Did you like this book better than Daisy Jones? Ooh, better? Oh, that's a tough one. I love Daisy Jones. Okay, said this to someone on our TikTok that I was worried Daisy Jones was like a one-hit wonder because the only book by Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins Reid that I'd read and it was so good. And I was like, there's no way she could live up to it. I thought this book easily lived up to it. I don't know if I liked it better, but I did love the sibling dynamic that was in this book. I do too. I I don't know if this one's more tragic or less tragic. The thing is with her books is they always end up somehow with a happy ending in a way. <laughs> It's not the ending you hope for, (laughs) but it's not the worst possible ending. Yeah, it's never tragic. Um, I read Evelyn Hugo and her Seven Husbands, and I like that book, but these were definitely better than that one. I don't know if you would like it. Wait, I thought you wanted me to read Evelyn Hugo. I wanted you to read her because you like Tail Dragon Read, and I just feel like you have to read the trifecta now, but... I do think that's my least favorite book of hers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this book, the writing in this was impeccable. Literally the first chapter, I just put a giant sticky note. It's just like on that first paragraph and was like, holy cow, wow, sucked in. Like, I I was shocked at how good this book just was. I Like, I can't even put words around it. I really like the way she writes non-linear but it's not in a way that you're confused and it's also not in a way where it, like it ruins the flow of the story like, we talk a lot about how like different point of views and we hate that because it kind of breaks up the flow and she's just jumping around from like different times and every hour and different point of views and it just flows so well it was so weird because her chapters are technically i think like the hour marks a new chapter. So then within every chapter, she, like you said, jumps around timeline wise. And I was like, she doesn't even break it up as a new chapter. She just throws the past right in there, just a couple spaces down. <laughs> I remember with Daisy Jones too, it would be like jumping around from interviewing this person to that person. And there was like no real like chapter d- definition. And it's still just like, you just flew through it. Before we get into the rest of the book, why don't we do the synopsis? Okay, synopsis. All right. The front cover, or front sleeve, is that what it's called? The front sleeve says, uh, Malibu, August 1983. 
It's the day of Nina Riva's annual end of summer party, and anticipation is at fever pitch. Everyone wants to be around the famous Rivas. Nina, the talented surfer and supermodel. Brothers Jay and Hud, one a championship surfer, the other a renowned photographer, and their adored baby sister, Kit. Together, the siblings are a source of fascination in Malibu and the world over, especially as the offspring of the legendary singer Mick Riva. The only person not looking forward to the party of the year is Nina herself, who never wanted to be the center of attention and who has also just been very publicly abandoned by her pro tennis player husband. Oh, and maybe Hud, because it's long past time for him to confess something to the brother from whom he's been inseparable since birth. Jay, on the other hand, is counting the minutes until nightfall, when the girl he can't stop thinking about promise she'll be there. And Kit has a couple secrets of her own, including a guest she invited without consulting anyone. By midnight, the party will be completely out of control. By morning, the Riva Mansion will have gone up in flames. But before that first spark in the early hours before dawn, the alcohol will flow, the music will play, and the loves and secrets that shape this family's generations will all come rising to the surface. I really like how she wrapped up everything. Like, she told us all these, like, random snippets about random people that I don't even remember their names. And then in the end, like, about one paragraph, she's like, well, this person got arrested because they were doing this, but they told you they were going to do that. Like, everything that that, that character told us they were going to do, they got arrested for. So I really liked her little summary there. Her little wrap-up. So which sibling did you like the best? Ooh. That's a tough one. Uh, but I think... Oh, I think Nina was my favorite. I think something about her reminded me of Nesta actually (laughs) even though Nina like takes care of her siblings it was just something about I don't know when someone is described as like very beautiful and like kind of graceful and poised but they're very cold and um like she doesn't really show outwardly affection like she married Brandon and was literally like yeah I don't really feel much for him but he's like safe so whatever I'll just marry this one and I was like like kind of just I see. I felt really bad for her because I just feel like, yeah, she married like the first guy that took care of her because she never was taking care of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just an ass. And I really also, liked her. I liked her too. Uh-huh. I think I like Hudson the best. I really? felt ba- I felt bad that he was like just dropped at the door as a child. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I just felt bad for me. I felt like he was kind of the outcast. Like, all his siblings were, like, these, like, described as, like, tall and lanky. And, like, he was always, like, I, I don't know why I just pictured him so short. <laughs> it was funny because when they described all the siblings at the beginning, he is described differently. And I just was, like, oh, the runs of the litter. Here's the, you know, ugly duckling. And then it's, like, oh, no, wait. He's, he's got a whole different mom. <laughs> Like, he's not even, he's only related through the dad. So, yeah. I mean, I did feel bad for him, but I will say June was amazing for treating him like her own. I loved him and um, Jay's, like, relationship and basically the fact that they were just raised as twins and they were just, like, Whenever the dad came at the end, he's like, Hudson can like mess up so many times and he can do awful things, but I'll still like him better than you. (laughs) 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 I was really curious if they were going to forgive him or not. I was really curious if like one of them would forgive him or not. Like I, I was shocked that, I'm not shocked, but I was proud of them for all sticking together and just being like, no, we don't want you in our life. Yeah, no, I would, I... (sighs) 
the whole the whole book i was thinking nina needs to never let him back in her life ever again because literally the uh, the other ones were younger but nina was old enough to know her dad and already take him back once like as a child he abandoned her and then came back in her life as a child and had a special relationship with her and then abandoned her again she was old enough to remember all that and i the whole book on my anxiety about him coming back in her life and her just maybe thinking, okay, well, it's better that the rest of the siblings, like, have him back in their life, so I'll just accept it. I was so worried that was going to happen because I did not want her to accept him back in her life. Also, the fact that, like, whenever her her mom did die, she had to basically raise her siblings at, like, 17, and he never like, offered help. I just feel like, like, it's one thing to be abandoned, but that was just, like, kind of big F you, too. Like, he didn't really believe- care. Yeah, no, I can't believe he stopped sending child support after he left either the second or third time. He, like, stopped sending child support. And then June died, and then he didn't show up to the funeral. He didn't reach out. He didn't send them any money. Like like, like you said, like a final FU. Yeah, that was, like, the final straw. If June was still alive and he came back at that point, I can see them slightly forgetting him. But the fact that once June was dead, he completely, completely abandoned them. There's like, there's no recovering from that. But June was a saint. I did. I can't believe she drowned. She basically drowned herself. And like Nina knew, like she was like, do you want me to stay back? And she was like, no, like go, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And she, she drowned. Like imagine coming home and your mom's just drowned in the bathtub because she was so drunk. Like, I just can't fathom getting over that tragedy. It was literally so heartbreaking. She's, I mean, Nina's off at a sleepover, probably had a good night with her friends. They went to a party, comes home, probably still on that like euphoria of having a good night. I walked into a bathroom to find a cold, dead body. I'm just like, like reading that, I just can't imagine. I I don't know how you cope. I I don't think I'd function enough to call 911. Like, I don't know what I'd do. It's just crazy. She, and she told all her siblings, like, yeah, she, Nina's strength was just incredible during this whole book. And, and June's strength. And I just feel like June is just, like, one of the people who is a total doormat. But she's also just a saint, and she just, like, loves to love. And I just hate Mick for everything he did to her. I think June's sort of strength is very different than the strength we kind of look at in today's society. Like, you know, the whole feminist movement and all that. Her, She had a different type of strength. And, the, like, it was the strength to forgive and to love and to take back. I, I mean, when she chose to love Hudson the child of the, the affair her husband had, that's when I was like, okay, she is not just like beautiful and kind and sweet, like the sweet little girl we were told she was. She's also very strong and loving. And two, to raise her children, I, I get she had a drinking problem. I'm not like excusing any of the crap she did, but I do think she pushed through a very bad situation and raised four incredible four. Yeah. One, two, three, four. I was like, wait, is there a fifth? <laughs> She's that random girl. I don't even know her name. <laughs> but, I mean, she raised four incredible kids, and all the credit has to go to her on that because Mick was not around. Yeah, they all felt loved. And they all, even with her drinking problem, they all adored her. 
So, Team June all the way. We fought so hard during J.C. Jones in the sixth. I didn't want another <laughs> podcast like that. So, glad we're on the same page. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm not a fan of Mick. I, you know, I feel like I was willing to give him another chance when he came. You know, actually, I wasn't. Okay, can we talk about this? When he came back after the first time he left her and she blocked the door with the chair and wouldn't let him in, I was so mad at him because I felt like he emotionally and mentally manipulated her to get back in the door and then just wore her down to the point where she had no fight in her to fight him. And I just feel like that kind of mental and emotional manipulation is so disgusting. Like June had no ability to fight him at that point. And she just like, like you said, a doormat kind of rolled over and was just like, fine, I'll take him back. Well, that wasn't the first time him. he left. That was the first time she found out that he cheated on her. Oh, I forget the first time she left. But that was the first time they cheated on her. I think the first time he left, he just, like, walked out. She was, like, on the driveway crying, I think. Maybe that was her daughter. (laughs) I kind of mix them up since their stories ran so parallel. I know he walked away the first time, but I don't think it was Zeng. That was when Hudson was first dropped off, and she was, like, locked him out because she was mad. And she was like, you have a new son, by the way. And he's like, you can't keep him unless I come in. That was the manipulation for sure. And then she kind of was just, like, too lazy to leave. I don't think she was too lazy, but she was just like, it was easier to forgive him. But it was after she forgave him for the cheating that he left and divorced her. And then he, like, just drove to Malibu and was like, I love you, take me back. And she did. With minimal fight. I, I just, I think he's disgusting. I, the, the, when he was with Veronica, he left her for a girl named Veronica at one point, And his whole thing was, oh, June wasn't good enough to fix me, but Veronica will fix me. And I was just like, dude, you got to fix yourself, man. Like, you're the worst. That's just the worst kind of person to be like, I need, I need someone to fix me, and it wasn't this other person, so I'll just leave that person. Like, I don't know. You had kids. I, oof, Yeah, I can't. It was just, it was a really sad book. Like, it definitely was not a feel-good book. I don't think any of her books were actually a feel-good book. Um, I think we need to read a nice romance book after all the books I've been reading lately. Um, uh-huh. Because of, like, the Colleen Hoover books, too, just kind of wreck your soul. But it was a really good book, and I could not put it down. But I'm really glad that no one died in the fire. Like, that was my relief. Like, my anxiety was if someone was going to die in the fire. <laughs> when the story started, because it literally starts by telling you that the mansion is going to, like, burn to the ground. Like, what does it say? It says, by 7 a.m., the coastline of Malibu will be engulfed in flames. Like, the the party's going to get out of control, all this stuff. Well, I thought Nina or Jay was going to set the mansion on fire with everyone inside. <laughs> I thought one of them was going to snap. <laughs> um, but Jay, I, I thought Jay was going to snap because of Hudson. I've said this before, and I will say this again. This is why I'm kind of surprised Hudson's your favorite. Brothers should not sleep with brothers' girlfriends. I just, that should not happen. No, it shouldn't. I'm not supporting his act there, but I don't know. If you're just, if you love someone, you love someone. And it sounded like Jay and I think Ashley is her name or mm-hmm. something with an A weren't that serious. Like it sounded like Jay kind of dated around and like Ashley's carrying Hudson's child. They're like in love and love. Like I don't think Ashley and Jay were ever in love. It wasn't like she was married to Jay and then broke up with him. Like, I don't know. It was just 
different levels and just feel like if you if you love someone you love someone and i think june's example like that like i feel like she definitely didn't choose to love mick after he left her but she just like couldn't help it i just feel like hudson couldn't help it so i know but hudson sleeping with ashley while ashley was still dating jay was a low for me it was a low but he realized it was low and not like he was like oh yeah like nothing wrong like he realized that he was (laughs) effed up he just couldn't help it and i just like how he's like so supportive being like the second character he's so fine with jay being the star like he's fine with like cheering jay on cheering his siblings on and just like being behind the camera like i don't know i just like how like calm he is and how he's like doesn't need to be the star and he's still just like happy and like humble yeah i thought he was in the tech industry when the um book started i thought he was like a nerdy tech guy but he wasn't right he just worked behind the camera yeah he was like a photographer I still think he's kind of nerdy. <laughs> no, I think he is nerdy too, but... Well, actually, he's only friends with people at school because he had to develop those photos. He had to develop the nudes. That <laughs> <laughs> was funny. I didn't like the way Jay treated that girl after he was rejected. Mm. It gave me kind of like mick vibes a little bit like he was a total jerk to her after she said she didn't love him and he was like well i didn't want to be you anyway like he was so mean to her jay's kind of like what i would construct boy <laughs> like jay thinks he's all that like the fact that he was mad that nina basically got paid to serve first and he couldn't be supportive of her that made him mad that fueled his his need to be better and then like with the girl the way he treated her and he just he was a little bit like his dad, and I hope he doesn't end up becoming like his dad, but I do think he has some of his dad's blood in him. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, even talking about, like, Kit and how, like, she's, like, feisty and says what she wants and, like, makes, like, that's from me. And, like, he wasn't even around for raising either of them, and like, these traits just, like, seep through them anyway. It kind of just, like, blows my mind how, like, genetics work. Oh, I wish. I have so many things marked that it would probably take me forever to find it. But I, I'm pretty sure she wrote some sort of quote uh, kind of to that nature of not like she didn't use the word genetics, but that sort of thought process where like it doesn't really matter. Like, yes, we can be different, but we always still have that blood in us. It was, like, also really crazy how Nina was becoming her mother in, like, every aspect. Her husband was cheating on her. Like, she was, like, basically tied to that restaurant. And, like, that was, like, literally everything uh, June did not want for her children. And I'm so glad that her siblings were like, no, like, we can sell the restaurant. Like, Mom hated it. (laughs) Because Nina was sitting there like, oh, we have to hold the restaurant. Like, it was two generations that held on to this. And they're like, no, like... It broke my heart when Nina dropped out of high school to run that stupid restaurant. Well, they had no other way to get make money. I wonder if she would have been better, though, if she just, like, would have got a normal job. Yeah, because, I don't know. Because weren't they, like, always in the red? <laughs> yep. But I also felt bad for her that she lived in this giant mansion and she just, like, didn't want that. And, like, he just didn't listen to her. Like, she basically like, explained what she wanted. She wanted, like, a little beach, a beach shack. And he was just like, oh, yeah, I got you the perfect house, the house of her dreams. It was, like, the complete opposite of what she ever wanted. Yeah. Men like that, like, that come across super sweet and caring and attentive through their words, but then through their actions don't show any of that. Like, women, girls, pay attention to men's actions. Like, this book describes that very well because when we first learned about Brandon and Nina 
I thought he was a really great guy. He seemed like he's really cool with her family. And then, like you said, he bought a house that was the exact opposite of what she wanted. And I forget, I feel like he did a couple other things at the beginning that she just went along with. He didn't consult her when he bought a house. Like, he didn't even ask her to see it first. He literally just bought, like, a million-dollar house. And was like, surprise! And she was just kind of like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. I guess this is okay. (laughs) Also, the whole, like, oh, this is our last time surfing together is such BS. Because, yeah, she moved across the country, moved across the world. Her siblings are still going to visit her. Like, she didn't just, like, fall off the face of the earth. Like, they're going to go surfing (laughs) together again. She's not dying. I wonder now if it said, like, it was their last time surfing in that beach or something. Here, wait, I think I have it. It it doesn't say that. It says it would be the last time they all surfed together. So it's not even like she was sneaky and was like, it's the last time they surfed together on that beach. (laughs) Like, it really sounded like she was going to die. Like, (laughs) (laughs) One of them will not make it out alive. The whole time. Every time something happened, like, um, when Brandon went to the room to cry and, like, he had the bottle of alcohol, I'm like, he's going to start the fire, like, the alcohol's going to spill and he's going to have, like, a match or something like that. Whenever she locked herself in the, the pantry, I'm like, this is when it's going to catch the fire. Whenever they were in the wine cellar, I'm like, okay, this is when the fire's going to start. Like, <laughs> I was, and then, like, that girl was sitting in the bedroom, like, oh, my God, she's going to burn in this building of the siblings she thinks she has. I thought of every possible reason that they're going to start a fire somehow. And it was just Mick after everybody left the house. I also like that his Jaguar were crashed at the end. Um, I also thought whenever he was going to walk home, I thought he was just going to get hit by a car. I don't know why. I was like, this is, this is where he dies. I think you were just hopeful he'd get hit by a car. I did love... I did like June and Mick's like beginning love story when they first met. I thought it was very um, cute, but in this book, they feel in a settle for someone who's just like not gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, but Mick was gorgeous, right? Yeah. Well, so that's why. So like, yeah, they loved her was really cute in the beginning, and then her mom was like, "I don't know, he's just too handsome. Like, maybe you shouldn't." And I'm oh, like, right. listening to the mom being like, "Yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> maybe, maybe you go for a slightly less attractive person." <laughs> yeah, Mick leaving her though really took me off guard. I guess it didn't take me off guard that much in the sense that he was traveling a lot and. Like, he obviously had a problem, but I just couldn't believe after the love story we got between June and Mick to start off with, that, like, intense love where he pursued her, he took her to fancy restaurants, they, like, hung out all the time, to then to him just basically sleeping with anything, anyone, anything, just, like, he had some kind of sex addiction. I just, like, it really made me sad for June because I don't think she could have seen it coming. And it wasn't like she was denying him sex. Like, if right. he just came home, she she was popping out children left and right. Like, if he just came home, he would have been fine. Like, it was explained why Brandon cheated on Nina. Like, he felt like he was less of, less of a man because he was losing in tennis. So that's why he cheated. And I don't know why I feel slightly more justified that. But the fact that, like, Mick never had an issue with June. Like, he loved her even when he was cheating on her. Literally. I think that's what's so sick. And that's why I really do think it was, like, some kind of sex addiction because he loved June. He thought about June all the time, but he couldn't 
stop himself from literally just like sleeping with anyone. And it reminded me so much of Billy from Daisy Jones and the Six. Like something about men and music and the music industry. Like what is their freaking problem? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he, he pulled it together and was a decent man at the end to his children. But for freaking Mick, he just was sh- shit all the way through. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I did feel like they had this big epic love story and it was so romantic. And then, yeah, he just kind of was just like walked away and it just didn't make a lot of sense. So that's why you're like, maybe I should settle. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should choose the slightly less attractive man who's just kind of safe. Because, well, I guess that doesn't actually even matter because Nina married someone safe who was balding and he still cheated on her. Uh, that whole thing about him balding at the beginning was so fun when the Riva kids were making fun of him for that. Whenever Nina was like kind of depressed in the beginning, rightfully so, and Jay was like giving her crap about it, I was like, oh my god, like let her be. Like her husband just publicly cheated on her and moved in with his mistress. Like, give her a break. Jay was kind of an asshole the entire time. He was. <laughs> like when Kit cut him off on the surfboard when she stole the big wave, he acted like a child. And I'm like, Jay, you're like 25 years old or however old you are. It's a wave. It's not the end of the world. And he would not let it go. No. Yeah, he kind of was a jerk. He's definitely my least favorite. I do like Kit a lot. I feel like she's really fierce and like she just spoke her mind. It's a shame that like Nina didn't see that about Kit. Because then when Nina had that revelation of like, imagine having the ability to just go to someone's house and just start yelling and like speaking your mind. And she talked about like, she kind of looked at these people who spoke their mind and she didn't look to her little sister who spoke her mind so often. I feel like Nina has something to learn from Kit too. Like Kit always says that like she learned everything from Nina, but like really Kit's an example as well. Yeah, I think they're very opposite in their strengths and in their weaknesses. And so I do think they both have something to learn from each other. I wish they were closer. I wish like Nina was less of a mom to her, more of a sister. I liked when Nina cut up her clothes for her and gave her the little makeover. I thought that was really like a sweet sisterly thing. I did too. So what do you give the book? <laughs> What's your rating? <laughs> um, I give it like a 4.8, honestly. <laughs> well, the writing for me is like a 5, and so that's why it makes it hard. The story itself, while I did love the relationship of the siblings, I don't actually feel as though there's that big of a story in some ways. Um, so maybe just like a 4.4. No, I but feel that too. Like, yeah. Go ahead. No, I agree. Like, I feel like the plot of the story really wasn't that substantial. I think it's because there's so many storylines going on at the same time that there's like no one direct plot. And I feel like our other books are like that too, though. Like, I don't really remember the plot of Daisy Jones in the, in the six. Yeah. And it's in kinda some how... ways, it's just character development. Yeah, it's pretty much she just she's really good at character development. I do find it interesting how riveted I was even without a plot because I didn't think about that with Daisy Jones and the Six, I guess. But the book really, neither book really had a plot. It really was just here are characters that I want you to know all these details about, and they're kind of twisty, and like all these characters are unique, and then here's how they're all going to come together in some event that isn't really like like you said nick burning down the mansion or whatever after everyone left like okay no one died like nothing you know like it wasn't a big deal 
And what was the plot leading up to that? Okay, it, the plot is literally just learning about the siblings. So, like, it's just weird how much I liked the book, considering nothing really happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even think I could tell you. I actually feel like I forgot half of the things that happened in the book already. <laughs> and I just finished it this morning. Um, <laughs> Agreed. I I was very intrigued with minimal plot. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the I, big live up was the fire now and, and it was all about how it was going to happen and who was going to start it and who was going to damage from it and like there was no fallout of the fire. Like it was just like, "Oh, it happened." <laughs> On to the next port in life. <laughs> one one of these discussion questions actually talks about how what is it? Evelyn Hugo set in the 60s. Daisy Jones is set in the 70s. And Malibu Rising is set in the 80s. Do you think her next book will be set in the 90s? <laughs> I hope. That'd be so cool. She has other books besides those three. Does she? Yeah. That's so funny because on the like back of the book cover that I have, it lists only those three books. It says Early Praise for Malibu Rising, Praise for Daisy Jones and the Six, Praise for the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I guess it's just because those are her three most popular. I think the other ones came out like before the other the, the two that got big. She has Forever Interrupted, Maybe in Another Life, One Tr- True Love, and After I Do. So she has four other books, at least just on Amazon right now. So I would be curious about reading them. I actually don't know what they're about, and I'm not going to read the plot right now. But so she's not a three-hit wonder, but I don't know if her other books are as incredible as these three. I don't think they are, because I think people would just be talking about them more if they were. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the two I've read have made me want to read all her books, because I just think her writing is so good. But like you said, I do think it's interesting that the other ones don't have popularity because these three are obviously all like all over Bookstagram. I mean, people are still reading Daisy Jones like for the first time. Like when I get on TikTok, people are like starting Daisy Jones. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And I'm even now, years later, they're still reading it. I don't know why the other ones aren't popular. I will have to read one of them to gauge it. But her three books that I read, I really liked a lot. Her writing is just really good, and it was a really good book. I give it, like, a 4.5. It's just a a little too dark for my fives. I don't think her books have the sort of fluffy romance that you like. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. Not the way that, like, every fairy tale would end, but it has a happy ending in the end. Like, I believe in, in... Daisy Jones, she, they do end up together, but only after his wife dies. And yeah. the same with this book. It, it's it's a happy ending. Everyone lives and like everyone goes about what they want to do. And everything's kind of resolved in a way. And it's just like they're happy endings in a very realistic way. I think that's probably why I like her books, though, because I think I've said this before on the podcast. I like reality. Like you read to escape. And I read and want to see something very realistic. Like, I want to see the hardships of life, and I want to see that, like, life goes on and people go different ways, and that's just life. Yeah, I mean, I like reading these books, but I also just, like, I'm going to have to read something that makes me happy after this. 
Thank you for listening to the episode. Thank you for listening to the season. We have a lot more in story for you for the end of the year. We will be airing season three starting October 1st uh, of this year. So we're seeing a little hiatus for tax season, for summer tax season. Um, but we have exciting things to, to read. I'm excited for season three. Uh, we're going to take a nice little two-month break and come back better than ever. But yeah, make sure to keep up with us on Instagram and TikTok. We will post updates of what we're reading on our off-season and when the next season is coming. We have some exciting interviews coming up. We're reading some books that are coming out in the fall, some books that already have come out. We're going to read more thrillers and mysteries to make Marissa happy and to get into that spooky October vibe. We're going to end the year strong with the podcast for season three, but thank you so much for listening to season two. We love every one of you. It's just been such a fun journey we've had this spring and summer, and we're just so thankful we get to do this with each other. Have a good day. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And make sure to follow us at Book Talks Podcast on Instagram and TikTok.